Hi, I'm Brandon. I'm the youth director here at Bayview Glen Church, and I have the privilege and honor of continuing our series, Foundations. And if you're just joining us, Foundations is a series where we actually look at the Old Testament, um, as, and we use the Old Testament as a lens to see Jesus, and we get to learn more about Jesus as we look through um, the Old Testament and all the stories and narratives in the Old Testament. Uh, for me, as I've been tracking with this series, um, it's been amazing to, to, for myself to see how much we can learn about Jesus without actually reading about Jesus. And so today, we are in John chapter 2, uh, verse 12, and so I invite you to grab your Bibles um, as we open up the Word and learn about Jesus. And it's kind of funny that I just said we're talking about the Old Testament, um, but we're actually going to start in the New Testament this time, and then we'll be able to track back. And so John chapter 2, verse 12, let's read together. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples. There they stayed for a few days. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And so let's stop right there. Um, let's set the scene. It is Passover. Um, and if you know anything about Jewish history or, or in just uh, the Bible, we know that Passover is a big deal, to put it lightly. See, Passover was them celebrating their liberation from Egypt. And for Jews, this was a powerful and a meaningful time because they were called to, to worship God and remember just the amazing thing that God had done for them. Passover was so important that for Jews um, all over the place, they would actually make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem um, to go worship and to remember this time and to celebrate Passover. It would be likened to, to cottage country during uh, this uh, long weekend, right? And during Canada long weekend and all these long weekends, especially here in Canada, a lot of people will uh, make the journey out to the Muskoka Lakes and, and bring their hamburgers and hot dogs as, as a, to the altar that would be the barbecue. Uh, and so uh, for the Jews, it wouldn't be that, but it would be them making a long journey um, and to make a sacrifice and to worship at the temple. Um, and Jesus, being a Jew, uh, would have also partaken in this Passover celebration. And so uh, we see that uh, they're about to celebrate and to get ready for Passover. Uh, and where the setting is, is in the temple. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're talking about the temple and, and, and the significance of it. And if you're just joining us today, we haven't mentioned the temple yet. But for Jews, uh, so far, they've entered into the promised land. Um, after wandering around in the desert, and they finally um, have been brought into this permanent place, this promised land, this place that God um, had promised them. A couple weeks ago, uh, Lucas pro uh, preached on the tabernacle. Uh, we talked about how it was God's dwelling place, and the temple would have been very similar to the tabernacle. Even in, even in its design, the tabernacle um, and the temple would have looked very similar. Uh, in the layout, right, we would have had in the ta tabernacle the outer court, right, where people would have been. And there would have been a holy place, a whole designated area with the holy place, with the holy of holies inside of it, um, with the ark as well inside the holy of holies. And so the temple would have looked very similar to that with an outer court, with um, the tabernacle, or sorry, with the holy place and with the altar um, all there. Um, and there would have been, like I said, an altar where they would have brought their sacrifices to. Um, the only difference would have been that the, the tabernacle would have been more of a tent and it would have been more something that they could pick up and move into a different place. But the temple 
was an actual structure and a building that was permanent. And so where the tabernacle was passing, the temple was permanent. And this is something that is important to, to note here um, because as God led the Jews through the desert, um, they would have to pick up the tent and wherever God stopped, they would have to uh, pitch their tent again and, and recreate the tabernacle. But now that God's people had a permanent home, God uh, wanted a permanent dwelling place. And the temple was designed to be that permanent dwelling place. And as a permanent dwelling place, oh man, was it special, right? It was placed up on a hill in Jerusalem, overlooking all um, other structures. It would have been the tallest structure on that side of the valley, overlooking everything. Commentator Tim Wardle says that it was this majestic and imposing figure situated at the top of the Temple Mount. Um, see, the temple was a prominent figure in Jerusalem. It, it actually held a lot of significance to the Jewish people. It was intricately constructed, constructed and it was designed to be a place of worship. Um, uh, the word that they would have used for it was axis mundi. Uh, and that's just a Latin word for the center of the world. See, to the Jews, uh, this is literally where heaven would have met earth. Right? It was the center of their life from a cultural perspective, from a family perspective, from obviously from a religious uh, standpoint. But even to their core identity, this was the center of their world. The temple was the center of their world. Um, you know those, uh, those home building shows um, where a family that was well-deserving and in need of a, of a makeover um, uh, this construction crew and this group of people would come in, uh, take down the whole house, and somehow with the, the magic of television, in seven days, they would be able to construct this beautiful home and bring the family back. Um, and then they would move that bus and they would be able to see their new home and, and there would be tears of joy and screaming and, and just super uh, delight uh, for this family. Um, there would be other shows where they actually built a brand new home for um, homeless people, right? And so for those people, this would even mean even more, right? And so when they got to see their new home, uh, they would be weeping in tears of joy because this home meant everything for these people. It meant safety and security. And so the temple would have been the same kind of thing where uh, it meant so much and it symbolized really God bringing them into a permanent home where God would permanently dwell with them. And so, again, the temple was the center of their world. And Jews would have traveled from, from all over to worship at the temple. Um, they would make long journeys just to come and bring their animal sacrifices um, and to glorify God at the temple. And so Jesus, being a Jew himself, would have done the same thing. For Passover, he would have come uh, to celebrate and worship at the temple. Jesus having a deep respect and reverence for the temp temple building um, and now being at the, at the temple, let's see what he does. John chapter 2 verse 14 says this, In the temple courts he found people selling cattle, sheep and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove out all from the temple. Both sheep and cattle he scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. 
whoa. That's tough to read. See, we like the nice Jesus. We like the one that feeds the 5,000 and says, let the children come to me. We like that Jesus. But if you're like me, and when you were reading this for the first time, this was a little bit harder to picture and to, to kind of understand, right? This is Jesus mad. Um, but let's go back because it's important that we understand the context and it's important that we understand the scene and why this riles, riles Jesus up so much. And so we see Jesus, he, he comes in and he finds people selling outside the house of worship. And that in and of itself wouldn't have been a wrong thing. See, um, as we understand, people would have traveled really long distances to come worship at the temple. And part of their worship at the temple was to bring an animal sacrifice um, up, up on the altar. Um, but because they were traveling long distances, it would have been really hard for them to bring their own animal. And so they would have come to the temple and, and they would have purchased an animal there to use for their animal sacrifice. But what was going on here was that these people selling these animals were raising the prices to extreme amounts, to amounts that were really unfair. Um, it's kind of like during this pandemic when hand sanitizers, masks, toilet paper, these things were, the people were reselling them at crazy prices, right? It would have been similar to that. It would have been to a point where these, these animals were being sold for unfair and extreme amounts. And to the point where it's actually um, taking advantage of people and taking advantage of the poor. And so for Jesus to come in and see that um, these people were making money, uh, exorbitant amounts of money off of the poor, that would have riled him up. And in, in, in this sacred place, something that Jesus held sacred and dear and had a lot of reverence for, people were turning it into, uh, as, as Matthew would have said, a den of robbers. And so for Jesus to get upset, he really would have had every right. And, and so I asked the question, what would you do? What would you do if someone came into a sacred, um, a place that you love and you hold so dear, that meant a lot to you, and they came and desecrated it? What would you do? Uh, Ravi Zachariah says that throughout history, invaders have known that if you really wish to humiliate your enemies, you must plunder what is most sacred to them. And so this uh, makes sense, right? It makes sense that whenever something that is held so dear to someone, that is held as sacred, whenever that is desecrated, it makes people mad. We have, uh, uh, here at Bayview, we have a, a beautiful basketball court. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite places to be. Um, I love playing basketball, but I love just hanging out there by myself and, and putting some shots up. Uh, it's really one of my favorite places, like I said. And so if Lucas ever came up to me one day and said, hey, we're tearing down the gym, we're getting rid of the gym. Um, I might not be flipping tables and um, releasing animals, um, but I would be upset, right? Because I hold that place really dear to me. And so it's normal and it's natural for people to, to be upset when something that is sacred and means a lot to them and is held at a high regard and held at, high, at a high point is, is desecrated. And so that is why Jesus is mad. And that is why uh, he's so passionate. It even says here, Jesus says, zeal for your house will consume me. And that sounds like zeal to me. That sounds like passion that Jesus really cares about this place. 
And so let's see how the Jewish leaders and the people there would have responded to him. In verse 18, it says, The Jews then responded to him, What sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Then Jesus makes an extraordinary claim right here. Jesus answers, Destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, It has taken 46 years to build this temple. You're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. And this is where we are going to camp out. And if you've been tracking with this series, you know that Lucas will always ask this question, what does this have to do with Jesus? And right here, Jesus answers that question. Jesus explaining, Jesus is explaining that he is the temple. That Jesus is the temple 2.0. Jesus is the perfect temple. That is what he's trying to say here, that he is the perfect temple temple. Um, Earlier we explained uh, that the temple was this magnificent place, that it was imposing, right? And for the Jews, the temple was the center of the world. And so guess what? The same things that we said about the temple are the same things that we can say about Jesus, that Jesus is magnificent, that he is the center of the world. And by claiming to be the temple, Jesus is saying all these things about himself, that he is now the refuge and that he is the Messiah that the Jews have been waiting for. Then the same way that um, when the homeless person would have seen their, this new home and that it would have meant safety and security, Jesus is saying the same thing about himself. By claiming that he is the temple, he is saying that I am here, that I am the Messiah. I've come to rescue you, to bring you safety and security. Jesus is the perfect temple. Uh, In the same way that at the temple, they would have made an animal sacrifice, Jesus was that sacrifice. Isn't that powerful? But God, in his beautiful narrative, doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop there because he wants to include us, us as Christians, us as the church. God wants to include us. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, something that is so powerful. He says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. God is saying that we, us as the church, are his temple. That God actually dwells in us. See, we get to actually be a part of this whole thing. And you want to see something cool. In the same way that the temple was placed on a hill, Jesus calls us a city on a hill, right? That we're actually called to be a light to the world. And, and it's not for our glory. It's so not, not so that we can call ourselves magnificent and imposing and that we are now the center of the world. No, that's not true. We do this for the glory of God, right? Jesus invites us and God invites us into this narrative and into this mission. And so it is in our very calling to be the temple. Us as the church, we are called to be the temple that Jesus says that we are now. That we get to be the kingdom and we get to be a part of God's kingdom here on earth and it is um, now on us to bring that to the world. That we are now this light that shines on a hill in the same way the temple would have been. And the really cool part is that this has actually been a part of God's plan 
from the beginning. In, in God's covenant with Abraham, he says that God blesses us so that we will be a blessing to all, to all nations, to everyone that we come into contact with. And so Jesus being upset here in the temple because this house is supposed to be a house of prayer, right? That we are supposed to be a blessing to all nations. And so he's so upset because we're going against what our actual calling was, right? What the temple was made for, what we as the church were made for, that we are actually going against that. And so for us to be a part of this, this calling and God ushering us into this new mission, um, which is actually isn't really a new mission at all. It's kind of always been a part of the plan, right? But for us to be now invited as the temple and to be the representation of God, um, isn't that good news? Isn't that good news that we actually get to be a part of this narrative? That we get to be a part of bringing God's kingdom down and throughout the world. See, as Jesus is the perfect temple, he doesn't stop there. He includes us and says that we are the temple as well. Let's pray. God, you are magnificent. You are worthy of our praise. You are good. You are holy. You are blameless. But God, thank you that you would be mindful of us and, and include us in your mission. God, remind us to keep you at the center of our lives. God, would you give us the courage and boldness to shine our light. God, that we would be um, led away from that temptation to hide this light. God, so that as we go out into the world and we are with friends and family, God, and our coworkers, God, that we would be a light, that we would be the living temple to this world. So God, we thank you. We love you. We worship you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.